Hello, I'm Scott Suskovic, Senior Pastor at Christ Lutheran Church. I want to invite you to check out our website, ChristELCA.org. And join us at worship. We have four different, very unique campuses. So glad you're here. Enjoy this podcast. Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine this horrific scene. You're walking on sidewalk next to Providence Road, very busy. And there, not too far in front of you, is a young girl, a child. And she, unaccompanied, she bounces her ball and it hits a rock and goes straight into that busy road. And as she takes a step off that curb, what are you, th what are you thinking? A, somebody ought to do something about this. B, well, I suppose I should do something, shouldn't I? C, you try to imagine how I can grab her with one hand and have my phone in the other and be able to post this and get like a million likes on this one. D, if I save this girl, then God surely will forgive my last Saturday night, which was a really doozy. <laughs> or E, without thinking, you bolt out there, you grab her by the hand, and you get her back in. Now, if you're still weighing your options on that, you need something more than a sermon this morning. <laughs> of course. Of course, you bolt into action. You grab her. You get her back on the sidewalk. In fact, it, it just flows, or better yet, it explodes from our humanity to go out and get her <clears throat> and make sure she's safe. Reach beyond it's one of our core values here at Christ Lutheran. This is our fourth one we've been talking about. The first one was to live generously. That's where we gave away several thousand dollars to our middle school kids and told them to go out and make an impact for the kingdom of God. Now, beginning next Sunday, the 10th and the 17th, we're going to hear the stories about all that they've done. I can't wait. Live generously. Number two, find community. We talked about how God has hardwired us to be in community. And then build faith, building up faith within us. Today is reach beyond. Reach beyond ourselves, reach beyond our church, reach beyond our walls. To our neighbor, could be a child in the street. To our neighbor who is in need. Now, we'd like, to, we'd like to think that we would react the same way to whatever neighbor is in need, whether they're hungry or they're homeless or they're lonely, that we would respond as instinctively, as impulsively as we would when we see that girl draw, take that step into the street. But we don't. We do see the need, 
and we don't respond with that kind of instinctive behavior. And why is that? Well, the quick answer, number one, is we live in a fallen world. And part of that fallen world is that we, um, we're filled with sin. And when I say sin, I don't mean we're lying and cheating and stealing. It is a condition. It was a condition that that, that serpent in the, uh, in the garden first uttered, a great definition of sin. Tempting Eve, when you bite of this forbidden fruit, you will become what? Like God. That's the definition of sin. It's that condition of separateness. It's that condition saying, I don't need you, God. I want to be independent from you, God. I want to trust myself and get credit for it myself. I want to become like God. And when we do that, our vision turns inward. We can't help but looking at any action and asking the question, what's in it for me? We are turned inward because of sin. That's number one. And perhaps the second reason we don't impulsively, instinctively act is because we have been conditioned all the way back to however old that fossil Lucy was they found in Africa, however far back it is, we have been conditioned on a reward and punishment basis. If I go and hunt, then I will get some food. If I store my food, then I will have food later on. And it continues to all ages. If I eat my broccoli, then I will get my dessert. If I get good grades, then I will get into a good school. If I get into a good school, then a good job. If I work hard at the job, then I get a promotion, and so on. If you're in the military, if I do what I'm supposed to, I get another stripe. If I'm in sports, if I train really hard, then I'll make the team. You see, our whole world, our whole world is conditioned with a ladder mentality. <clears throat> if I do this, and then this, and then this, then I'll work my way up to the top. And the emphasis, the primary mover, the primary instigator is me because I want to become like God. And it's a very small step to use this same ladder mentality when it comes to our faith. If I save that girl in the street, if I go to church, if I give money, if I do service, if I confess, whatever else, then, it, then we climb up to the top. You see, I don't know if we can help but think that way. Because that's the way we've been thinking for a long time. Let me give you some examples. As God brought his people out of slavery after 450 years into the wilderness, one of the first things he did was he gave them a gift. The Ten Commandments. A constitution of sorts for these ex-slaves to become a new nation. So, you will not murder because life is precious, which is unusual for slaves who are thrown away people. You 
will not commit adultery. We're going to make sure the marriage bed is pure and holy. You're not going to steal. We're going to help our neighbor keep what is his. And remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Can you imagine these ex-slaves getting a day off? In the Ten Commandments, you're going to work six days, and then on the seventh day, just like God rested, you get to rest. You get to enjoy creation. You get to spend time with family. You get to enjoy food and drink and being together and just resting. And re Isn't that a great gift? Until somebody pulled out a ladder and said, how many steps can I walk before it becomes work? How much food can I prepare until it becomes work. Can I, can I cut the grass? Can I clean my house? Can I get my donkey out of the ditch that just fell there? Or is that work? And pretty soon, we took that which was a great gift, a day off, and we turned it into a ladder, into a, into a ladder theology. And then the sacrifice system in the Old Testament. A lamb, a calf. It was really meant to be an act of trust, an act of love, an act of worship of God. Thank you for all you have given me. I'm going to trust you. You will continue to give, even if I give you my very best. And then somebody took out a ladder. If I sacrifice five lambs, then you will answer my prayer. If I give you ten calves, then you will cure me of this leprosy. If I give you my, my bull, then you will send us a son. You see, pretty soon, again, taking that which is good and turning it into a ladder. Until we get to the New Testament, and we have St. Paul, <clears throat> he doesn't come up with a new idea this idea about justification by faith alone, it goes all the way back to Abraham, who was made righteous because of his faithfulness, not because of his obedience. And over time, we had, we had brought up the ladders and we changed all that until Paul comes back. He resurrects it. He says, no, get rid of the ladders, justified by faith apart from works of the law. And it was good for a little bit until the church brought out a ladder and said yes to faith. It's a good idea in theory, but it's faith plus penance, faith plus buying indulgences, faith plus worship, faith plus confession, and so on. Start climbing. Until a a German monk by the name of Martin did what he was told and began climbing that ladder. But it was never enough. There were not enough words to confess all of these sins. There wasn't enough money to buy all the indulgences. There's not enough good works to atone for this body. And instead of falling into despair, he goes back to St. Paul 
who is really resurrecting the Old Testament. The just shall live by faith. Some of Luther's enemies complained and said that he was telling his followers, don't do any good works. Just eat, drink, and be merry, because God will take care of it. That couldn't be further from the truth. Luther certainly talked about good works and the necessity of them, but not in order to be saved. They are to explode, like we explode in our humanity to grab that young girl. We explode in our faith to, to find our neighbor in need. That's kind of a long introduction to get into the text for today. But now we can talk. Now we can talk. The text is from Matthew 25. And so it will be on the judgment day that the Son of Man will sit on his throne and he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will be on his right side, the goats on his left side. And to the sheep at his right, he will say, Beloved of the Father, I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty and you gave me drink, naked and you clothed me, in prison and you visited me. And the sheep said, where were you? I never saw you. And the Son of Man will say, as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And then he will say to the, sh- the goats on his left side, I was hungry and you gave me nothing. Thirsty, not a cup of water. Naked, nothing. Lonely, you didn't visit And again, they said the same thing. Lord, where were you? We never saw you. And the Son of Man will say, as you did it not to the least of these, you did it not unto me. Now at first glance, this sounds like a ladder. You feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, you visit the imprisoned, You work your way to the ladder until you get to the top and you will be declared a sheep, beloved of the Father. But this parable is not about works. And it's not about a ladder. It's about instinctively, impulsively reaching out to that young girl stepping off the curb. It's about faith. Because both the sheep and the goats, they're both surprised, aren't they? They're both surprised. The the, the goats are saying, if I'd have known it was you, Jesus, I'd have given you a sandwich. I would have given you a drink. I would have bought you some jeans. If I'd have known it was you, I would have done it. Uh, They're surprised. Likewise, the sheep, they are just as surprised. Lord, I never saw you. Where were you? Was somebody even watching? I gave that hungry person a meal because, why? They were hungry, and that's enough. 
I gave a glass of water. Why? Because they were thirsty. That's enough. I gave them clothing. Why? Because they were naked. That's enough. I gave a special needs child a classroom and therapy. Why? Because they needed it. I'm working with middle school kids at McClinic. Why? Because they need academic enrichment. And that's enough. You see how it explodes from within. The sheep and the goats are not declared by the Son of Man. You are a sheep, you are a goat. He's acknowledging that they already are because of what is exploding from within to see the neighbor in need. And who knows? <laughs> who knows how God can work with such kindness? Who knows what the result is going to be when you serve the neighbor because the neighbor has a need and not because you need credit? Who knows how the Spirit will blow? I do. <laughs> Let me tell you. We've got a ministry here called Room in the Inn. We've had it for, I don't know, a couple decades maybe. We join with other churches across Charlotte during the cold months beginning in November in which we, um, we welcome in homeless people. We go uptown to um, uh, uh, urban ministries, a roof above, and um, they, we fill up our vans, we bring them back, about 15. They love coming to Christ Lutheran, certainly because of facilities, certainly because they get a room to themselves or with their family alone, but really they say the Spirit is really alive here. You should really think about volunteering. We need drivers, we need lunch makers, we need overnight hosts. Anyways, we've been doing this for a long time, and maybe about two years ago, there was a couple that, down on their luck, lost their job, lost their apartment, and they started coming to Christ Lutheran through Room in the Inn. And whenever they needed a night, um, they, were, they couldn't find any other accommodations, they would go there. They would recommend, can, can we go to Christ Lutheran? They talked certainly about the facility, but the people. They said the people were amazing. So they finally got jobs, they got an apartment, and then they started coming to church on Sunday morning. They started volunteering for Room in the Inn. They got involved with other ministries here. And they were so grateful. But then she got another great promotion. I mean, this is a success story, right? She got a great promotion. Unfortunately, it was down in Florida. And she gave me a call and told me. And I said, boy, I'm so sorry. The commute every Sunday is going to kill you, isn't it? <laughs> she said, we got to leave Christ Lutheran. She gave me the town and she said, do you know any churches? And of course I didn't. But I do know a pastor down there, so I called him and said, I need a church that you can recommend in this town. He said, there's only one. There's only one church, one pastor that I would recommend anybody going to. So I went on the website and <clears throat> listened, to, uh, listened to his sermon, make sure he wasn't sacrificing goats on the altar, and it was good. 
I mean, it was, it was smart. It was deep. It was funny. It was engaging. I thought, this is a mistake. So I'm going to have to do like a, another one. So I went to a second one. It was even better. And a third one. It was great. So I called him, and I said, I got a family coming down. And um, will you welcome them? He said, absolutely. That's great. And I said, also, I'm looking for a pastor for our South Campus. (laughs) I said, are you interested in having a conversation? He said, I'm always interested in hearing how the Spirit's working. Can we just stop and pray for a second? And he initiated a beautiful prayer and got us back on track. And then told me that like about a month before my phone call he had seen a video that I had put together to send out to all the bishops in the, in the country about how multi-site ministry works in our context. The assistant to the bishop gave him that video and he said this is what we ought to be doing. I want to be a part of this wherever this is doesn't even know me. And I call him a month later, out of the blue. A month after Pastor Matt resigns, we've got a call committee who's found a person and they unanimously recommend him. A week later, he goes to church council and they unanimously recommend him. And then on October 10th, we'll be voting on him. I don't know if you know this. This is like the fastest land speed record in the ELCA. And he's great. You'll hear him next Sunday. He'll speak at all the campuses. Now, did did God give us a great candidate because we had a homeless ministry here? No, no, no. What I'm saying is that there is something that happens when The Spirit is released when acts of kindness are done. When we seek in the other person the face of Jesus, somehow God works in that in mysterious ways. We unleash the Holy Spirit. And churches that close down children's centers because those kids are so messy. And they tear down basketball courts because it attracts those darn kids in the neighborhood. And when they don't let outside groups come in because it's wearing out the carpeting. And when we don't have children special needs have a school here because there's some liability issues. And when we don't work with a middle school because it's exhausting, we somehow squelch the Holy Spirit. We squelch it. But worse than that, we miss an opportunity to see the face of Jesus. To see the face of Jesus in that middle schooler who's struggling with math. Or that autistic kid who's just beginning to speak for the first time. Or the AA group that comes in. Or that child stepping off the curb. We see the face of Jesus. So right now, I want us to all make a solemn vow that on our deathbed we will say very boldly, I have never done a good work my entire life. 
No, that's a little too strong. But let us say instead, we reach out beyond ourselves, beyond the church, beyond the walls, to feed the hungry because they're hungry, clothe the naked because they're naked, visit the lonely because they're lonely. These in and of themselves are not good works because the works are not good and the person is not good. They are good because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Amen.